This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from All Things Considered CX. We're glad to have you back listening into our podcasts about customer experience and customer experience professionals worldwide. And today we have a global guest with us. Stefan Osthaus is going to join us from the Customer Institute and talk to us about his background, his experiences, and where are we at globally with customer experience. And so it's my pleasure to welcome Stefan to our listeners. And Stefan, please introduce yourself. Thanks very much, Bob, for the warm welcome and the very nice introduction. Hi, everyone, and greetings from Germany. So as Bob said, my name is Stefan Osthaus. I am the president of the Customer Institute, but I wasn't born as that. So to give you a little bit of an introduction into my background is I was actually raised in a marketing greenhouse. So went to the university, got my degree in marketing, um, worked in a few Fortune 500 companies. Um, the last one was the fourth largest software company in the world where I entered marketing in Germany, become the head of marketing in Europe, become the global chief marketing officer. When we too woke up to customer experience being the new black out there in the industry. And we decided we need a customer guru, somebody who represents customer in our leadership team. And together with the CEO, the head of product development, the head of support and everyone else, we tried to draft what this person should be and all kinds of criteria came in from experience design to advertising agency background to Back then, about 20 years ago, it was still a very vague job description. So no wonder we had a very difficult time finding the right candidate to become the customer guru for this large software company in the B2B and B2C space. So the more desperate we became, the more people started to look at me during leadership meetings up until when they said, hey, Stefan, you've been um, uh, a key contributor to building the role. You've been our marketing uh, head for a while. Wouldn't you like to do something new? Wouldn't you like to be our first customer guru? And I became the first head of what we then called customer experience. And we started to think how about uh, to set this up and it turned into quite a great initiative, very successful in driving that promoter score up to a point where the CEO came back and said, hey, Stefan, this is going well. Would you like to also take on employee experience? And I was amazed that 
that CEO had the same vision of employee experience and customer experience being two sides of the same coin. So I immediately said yes. And then after another year or two, we by then had driven up net promoter score by 30 points. Um, the CEO came back and said, well done. Now I have the next task for you. Would you like to take on customer support? It's kind of broken. It's a huge organization. I know you like to fix things. Would you like to take that on? And I said, yes, but only if I get to keep the customer experience because this is where my heart is. And after a little bit back and forth, um, I ended up having these three areas, which in my career created the perfect storm. First of all, customer experience for a large organization with tens of millions of customers around the globe. Secondly, employee experience with 20,000 employees worldwide. And thirdly, owning the frontline touch point, customer service and tech support with more than 6,000 agents helping our customers around the globe in our contact centers. And this is where I learned from the basics to the most sophisticated symbiotic programs, how you make the frontline, your employees and your customer centricity program work together. That's amazing uh, journey, Stefan. And I love when our guests share their CX journey with our listeners because rarely is that journey a straight line between two points. It's a zigzag, it's different backgrounds, responsibilities. It's taking on new responsibilities when you do things well, as you did in your case. And, and your, your explanation of your background is rich with a few questions that I, I can't let go. Um, and, and one is you're, you're a visionary leader that saw EX and CX together. Can you give us a little more color and background on that? Because you're right. I mean, our professionals these days struggle even to get CEO buy-in on CX. You had somebody that already knew how important both were. Can you tell yes. us more about that? Yes, of course. And I could take the academic path and talk to you about studies who show that satisfied employees produce satisfied customers. I could speak about ROI and these aspects of it, but I'm not going to because I think it is so much straightforward common sense because when you imagine, Bob, you are the CEO of a large organization and you stand on stage at the annual kickoff for the whole organization, you jump up and down and you wave your arms and you say, customer, customer, customer. How much enthusiasm do you think you're going to instill into your audience in the room? They will clap, they will applause, and they will say, yeah, okay, I get that. But imagine the same event, Las Vegas, like in the good old days, you standing on stage, jumping up and down and saying, we want to be customer-centric, we want to do everything for our customers, and at the same time, we want to be the most awesome place to work at. So with everything we're going to fix for our customers, we're going to fix things for you as well, employees. And for everything we're going to fix for you, employees, we're going to fix things for customers. And this is how we will continue to be and improve being an awesome company. Where do you think you're going to get more enthusiasm, more following, more readiness to follow this banner to wherever you want to go in your future? 
So I think that in itself is enough an explanation why you should address the two symbiotically rather than only one or the two different uh, on different strings of the company. And, and as you said, it's it's so much more impactful and complex than what we used to say, happy employees equal happy customers. It's, it's so much more than that, uh, to your point. Um, so, Stefan, where are we at with customer experience? The pandemic has still has a grip on the world. From where you sit in Germany, what's your take on where we're at with customer experience uh, um, and, and what you're seeing uh, from a CX professional standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, what are your thoughts? I think we've come a long way and we should pause for a second and pat ourselves on the shoulder, depending on how long we've been in this practice. I think customer experience has evolved into an equally scientific, equally number and process and, and, and framework-based practice of um, business as many other areas. At the same time, I think we are culturally, regionally, and maturity-based in different camps across the planet at the moment. There is the U.S., and probably the UK, very established customer experience market who are probably deep in their um, first, second or third frustration phase because all the good ideas, all the great parties, all the donut Fridays and all the um, happy customer experience day mojo has pretty much been smoked up already. And now we need to bring new drive to the table. Very often we achieve this through introducing, reintroducing or combining employee experience initiatives. Very often we um, uh, achieve this through walking a little bit away from the super academic framework structures and two detailed process descriptions of customer experience, and at least with the employees outside of the customer experience team, come back to pragmatic approaches that make sense to people. So that's in the highly matured market where we need to reinstill enthusiasm. In the mature markets like Western Europe, who are a little bit, let's say, 10 years behind, um, we have different approaches. The overstructured Germans obviously like to build it step by step by step to a solid uh, building that will last for many hundred years. And there we need to speed up a little bit to become more pragmatic and turn into an agile continuous improvement process. And that's true for several countries in Europe. In Asia, there's a lot of enthusiasm that we now need to channel into the right way so people don't start somewhere but have a plan and know how to go about things. And then in the Middle East, we see a tremendous um, drive in the public sector to create citizen experience improvements that fuel the improvements in customer centricity in the private sector. So very much upside down as compared to the Western countries that we've seen in the past. And so that's the regional differences we see worldwide. And then from the practitioner's approach, there are several camps. There's a, a shrinking 
segment of practitioners who see customer experience as, as let's make everyone happy, let's hug a tree, let's dance our names, and let's do everything for our customers to make them friends. That is a highly dubious approach with corporate leadership because they see money being spent on things without a return. They see um, advantages being customers without business justification and quite rightfully so. More and more the custom experience practitioners settle in the camp of um, we, when you scratch us, we bleed passion for our customers, but we know how to build a business program around this. We know what a maturity-based framework is. We know what a voice of the customer, voice of the employee program is and what to do with the results of it. We know how to predict um, return on investment. We know how to, to design experiences that um, uh, excite customers and make them loyal. So this is what in my eyes is where the customer experience fraction should, um, should settle on. This is for me the ideal state. And then you have the too much number driven customer experience world where the CFO first wants to see the whole ROI plan mapped out in, in a five-year plan without wanting to commit any budget to anything, without trust, without passion, and without a little bit of let's go step by step. And I feel that this is the dark, the gray the sad space of customer experience where we all don't want to end up in. So, so true. And I, and I love the way you broke those segments down. Let, let me dive into your comments about the U.S. and the U.K. and then kind of expand it globally. So your, your comments about, you know, putting enthusiasm back in there. What, what we saw happen with the pandemic is a lot of our fellow CX professionals were furloughed following the pandemic, a lot of CX initiatives were tabled due to costs. It seemed to many of us that at a time when you needed CX the most, many organizations were treating it as if it was a, uh, a travel and entertainment expense that could be cut at will. And so it feels like we lost some ground there. What have you seen from where you're sitting? Did that happen in Europe? Um, and and uh, you know, it, it pointed to many of us that said, we're still treating this like a program instead of fully integrated uh, as you've described. What are your thoughts in this area? Well, when, when the pandemic started, uh, we here at the Customer Institute as well as myself in, in the consulting practice that I also run, felt a little bit like in, in the um, catastrophe movies when the volcano is about to explode and the one smart guy runs around and says, you need to flee, you need to flee, and people don't. Our message back then was you need to react to the lockdown and to the limitations we're all in now by securing your assets, your perishable goods and your other assets. If you're a restaurant chain, you need to do something with your warehouse that is going to perish over the next few days or weeks and monetize it to minimize your losses. If you are a contact center operation, you need to make sure your assets, your people who help customers find a good and safe place to work, be it the home office or anywhere else. And if you are somewhere in an organization where you run programs, 
logistic optimization programs, ERP consolidation programs, or customer centricity programs, you need to make sure to not drop the ball on those initiatives because just like your milk, your sour cream, and your other perishable goods, your initiatives will die if you put them into the drawer for so long. And that's what we see now. Now, about 10, 12 months into the pandemic, we see that those who have put their customer experience initiatives into the drawer and put them on hold will definitely have to start from scratch. There is not much they can build on because it's old news, it's boring, it's dead, and it's outdated. Those companies whom we could convince to keep going at reduced pace with reduced resources and, and more realistic objectives in light of the pandemic are up to speed. They are now ready to hit the ground running. They've made some progress and they're in the midst of their programs to now speed up and achieve their objectives. So in my eyes, that was the one only and most visible differentiator between success and failure during the pandemic is whether you stopped and put your initiative into the draw uh, or whether you just scaled back and kept it alive on smaller heat. That, that's a really interesting perspective. I, I, I love the analogy of sticking it in the drawer. I don't like if organizations did that, but I like the analogy because so often we see that's what happens. Stefan, you mentioned the Customer Institute. For our listeners that might not be familiar with the Institute and the certifications, maybe it'd be great to, to bring our listeners up to speed on the fine work that's being done at the Institute. And, um, and so what can you share with us about uh, what you and the uh, board of directors and advisory teams have put together? It's it's a wonderful story. One of my favorite business stories, because it's a story of passion, of talent, of volunteer, volunteerism, volunteering, volunteering. And it started two years ago when a few of my networking friends and myself looked at the customer experience world. And there were so many, hey, I read the book. I read a book experts, so many of the large um, consultancies from other fields coming into the field saying, here we have three college graduates who uh, listened to a lecture on customer experience. We can now also offer CX programs. And we felt we need to give guys in the industry and everyone in the industry help to identify excellence where it exists. And so the Customer Institute was founded as a nonprofit organization. We collected by now about 35 to 50 directors on our board of directors. They are literally from around the globe, from Chile to North America, Western Europe, Africa, the Middle East, Asia, literally everywhere in Australia as well. They are practitioners, they are academics, they are consultants, they are solution providers, and they are on the board for free. And we invite organizations to bring us their tools, their approaches, their training programs, and we review them in our review boards and then run them through a pretty stern filter of criteria that need to be met. And then we certify them as customer institute certified methods, for example, to calculate ROI, tools, for example, tools that help you to customer journey map or build a voice of the customer program, 
trainings. So for example, a CX masterclass, training providers. So for example, organizations who focus on educating the CX community. And later this year, we will even introduce an assessment that allows organizations to get certified as a customer-centric organization. And it's just going awesome. It's really nice to see how organizations bring us their materials, approaches, tools, and themselves as an organization. And the directors benefit from learning the latest and greatest, and at the same time, always give a wealth of feedback and advice to our candidates. And then at the end, it's a win-win-win situation. Situation. We have learned and stayed up to date with what's state of the art out there. Organizations get a badge to present to the outside world to show how customer centric they are. And the community in itself becomes, as we say, as the tide rises, all boats go up. So the whole practice becomes more professional and more visibly structured. Excellent summary of what the Institute is doing, Stefan. When you mentioned the uh, organization certification in CX, that sounds very intriguing because we've often talked about individual certification, mm -hmm. but I haven't heard a lot about organizational certification, uh, you know, like ISO 9000 or something along those lines. Can you just expand a little bit on what's gonna happen there. That sounds like a pretty exciting development to me. Exactly, I'm, I'm really excited about it. More than a year worth of work across many people in the, in the Institute have created the pilot assessment that we have now run a few times. I'm actually presenting to a client organization the results of that assessment. And so we are ready to use this assessment now with built-in thresholds that allow us to certify an organization that goes through that assessment as a customer-centric organization, most likely at a silver, gold, and platinum level. And the nice thing about this assessment is that we will make this available, available globally. So every consultant anywhere on the planet can bring their clients to this assessment. And so whether it is, if we stick to the airline industry, Bolivia Airways, Nigeria Airways, or Bhutan Airways, or Lufthansa or American Airways, if one of these organizations or their equivalents from other industries want to show how customer-centric um, they are, there is now a globally standardized assessment that will tell them how, how customer-centric they are and I reveal for them the room for improvement to go all the way to achieving 100% of the possible points. That's excellent. I hope listeners you're paying attention because this sounds like a very effective development uh, to help you as organizations to advance the cause of customer experience. Stefan, where do you think we're headed with customer experience? There's there's hope we're going to emerge from the pandemic sometime mid, late 2021. As you look into the landscape, and I'm not one for predictions of the new year, but what are you seeing develop and or, or what are your hopes for what could develop? I think all individual tragedy and hardship left aside that Corona has brought to individuals and organizations around the globe. Corona is just another disruption 
to how we operate our businesses. It is not the first one and by no means will it be the last one. As with all other things, Corona brought out the best of innovation with companies of all sizes. So in my small town, if I look around and see how the local restaurants have reacted and switched from being able to host um, clients on their premises to delivering and to making delivery an innovative experience within their possibilities of not being Domino's Pizza, but being an on-the-corner Italian or whatever restaurant, it, it was heartening to see the amount of innovation that came out of this. And if you now project this to all sizes of organization, if I look at one of my clients, one of the largest technology providers in the world, the innovation at which this organization moved around 6,000 support agent in their, into their home offices basically overnight was amazing. So I think what Corona ideally does to the customer experience practices it shook us really, really hard to wake us up. It taught us a lot of stuff, which we hopefully took a lot of notes on. And once we get into steadier waters, we will hopefully look at these notes and upgrade our processes and become even more um, dedicated to continuous improvement. And we will hopefully increase our alerting and performance measurement systems so that when the next thing hits, big labor action in France, electricity failure in Pakistan, um, unrest in country A, B, and C, acquisition through a larger competitor, uh, buying a smaller competitor, all these things have pretty much the same disruptive impact on our business. So hopefully once these things come our way and they will, we will be able to react, be smart, be innovative, and be well-structured in how we react and grow by this incident. I really like the way you view that as being able to take our learnings and apply them to the future because you're absolutely right. It will be something else. We just don't know what that something else is quite yet. Yeah. Stefan, this has been an outstanding session with you today. Uh, love the global perspective, love your pragmatic approach to customer experience. I always like to ask my guests one final question before we wrap up, and that is very simply, what else would you like to share with our listeners uh, before we, we close this session? Ah, good question. Maybe this one. If you are an expert in customer experience and you know everything about how to do it, learn how to keep the details to yourself. And that might be really difficult, but if you know everything about cars and you want to sell one, you need to keep a lot of that stuff to yourself to not confuse the socks of your client and him walking away without buying a car. And I think if you bring too much of your frameworks, your processes and the details of how you work to your clients out there, you will confuse them and drown the mojo in the organization. So that would be my recommendation for this year. Let's be experts at heart, but pragmatic practitioners in our interactions with clients. Those are great words to live by in 2021. And thank you, Stefan, for being our guest today. Listeners, this has been another podcast from All Things Considered CX. I'm Bob Asman, your host. 
And we thank Stefan Osthaus for his participation in this podcast. Please share this podcast with other CX professionals uh, as you see fit and stay tuned for future podcasts from All Things Considered CX. Until we meet again, take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit CXofM.org for more resources.